0: Restore us, O God of hosts. Show the light of your countenance, and we shall be saved. You may be seated. Good morning. Well, today is the first Sunday of Advent. It is the beginning of the church year. In the life of our faith, today is our New Year's Day. Advent is a season of preparation, which I think is a curious way to begin something so wonderful as the church year. I think if I had been on the committee to plan everything out, I would have started off with a bigger bang. I would have gone straight for Christ's birth or death and resurrection. But instead, we start with preparation. We begin with waiting, with watching, with wanting. Now, in January, when we are making our New Year's resolutions, many of us make them in preparation for coming events. I'm finally going to join the gym in preparation for swimsuit season. I'm going to begin saving right away so that I am prepared when that appliance breaks at the worst time. I'm going to prepare and make meal plans this year so that every night we are prepared for dinner. As believers, as followers of the way, today, like I said, is our New Year's Day. Today is the day we begin fresh. It's the day we begin again in preparation for all things new. We are beginning to prepare for Christ's coming. Today, because it is the start of our church year, It's also uh, we begin a new cycle of scripture readings. We are moving out of the book of Matthew and into the book of Mark. We do this because we follow what's called the Revised Common Lectionary. This is a three-year cycle of scripture readings that's built around the church year, and the church year is built around the life of Christ. The order of the years are this. In year A, we read Matthew. In year B, we read Mark. And in year C, we read Luke. And we just kind of scatter John in there as needed. Today we begin a new year, as I said, and we begin the book of Mark, which means that in terms of this cycle, we're smack dab in the middle which is one of the many reasons today's gospel is so timely. Keep awake, Jesus says, keep awake. The middle place of anything, a journey, a life, a heartbreak, an adventure, a project, the middle is where fatigue sets in. The middle is where you have seen how far you have come, but you still know how far you have to go. The middle is where it seems that the babies will never sleep, The laundry will never be finished, the kid will never graduate, the grief will never heal, the tour will never end. This is the moment with faith and hope where they begin to wane, and when cynicism and selfishness easily gain access into our hearts. This year, as we begin year B, and we begin in the middle, we begin with an admonishment to wake up, to keep watch as Jesus begins this passage with apocalyptic-sounding words from Isaiah. In those days, after that suffering, suffering, the sun will be dark, and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will be falling from heaven, and the powers in heaven will be shaken. I've always thought that beginning this season of Advent, a time when the whole world around us is decked out with tinsel and twinkle lights, it's a strange time to start the end-of-days talk of our Savior and this apocalypse on the surface seem to be very incongruent. But according to New Testament scholar Michael Gorman, the word apocalypse does not actually mean destruction or the end of the world, or anything like it. Apocalypse literally means the revealing. It means unveiling or disclosure, which does mean then that the birth of Christ was itself an actual apocalypse. Apocalypse. Because this is the moment when God disclosed his greatest love of all. When God as human was revealed to us in flesh and blood. In his book, The Light is Winning, author Zach Hogue lays out the idea that the apocalypse is a pattern for the Christian life and the way God moves. Not as a great end-of-the-world event, but as a pattern in which the old things and the old ways and our old beliefs are die- can die or are being stripped away. And new things are being birthed and revealed and unveiled. Life to death and then death to resurrection. And as Zach so succinctly points out in his book over and over, when we can begin to look at endings for what they are revealing instead of only what we are losing, we are better able to enter into the redemptive narrative of Christ's grace and love. But this entering in, this being present to what is being revealed and letting go of what was and preparing for what will be can be exhausting, especially when you get to the middle. In today's gospel, we are told three times in three separate ways to keep awake or alert. These three admonishments parallel the advent of Christ himself, something we say during our Eucharist each week. Christ has come. Christ is present. Christ will come again. In this way, we see that the events of Jesus' birth and death and resurrection are always inseparable. They are always woven woven together, and to enter into one is to be a part of all. So then what does this mean for us? What does this mean for Advent season? What does this have to do with being in the middle of an apocalyptic narrative? What are we supposed to do with this passage of Scripture, with Jesus' admonishment to keep awake? Are we supposed to sit on our porches and stare at the sky, waiting on his arrival? Are we supposed to fill our pantries with canned goods and our mattresses with gold bars? I mean, you can. It never hurts to have a lot of dried beans and chicken stock on hand. And I don't think that's what this passage is saying to us. As Episcopalians, we are a people of practice. We are a people who belong to a tradition steeped in spiritual practices like fasting and confession and praying the daily office or contemplation. So looking at these words of Christ and the other readings from this week, I wondered, what are we supposed to do? What practice is Christ pointing us to? How are we to begin our Advent preparation? One of the central themes in each of our scripture readings this morning is the revelation of Christ. Three times the psalmist writes, Restore us, O God of hosts, show the light of your countenance, and we shall be saved. The passage of Isaiah begins with, Oh, that you would tear open the heavens and come down. We can see your glory. And in 1 Corinthians, we wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. I believe that through these and through the words of the gospel and the parable Christ told, we are being called to practice what I call the spiritual discipline of noticing, specifically noticing the unveiling of Christ, right in the beauty of in the midst of our the beauty of Christmas and the mess of our ordinary lives, in the midst of heartbreak, in the midst of celebration, in the midst of ordinary days in these extraordinary times. This Advent, we, like the servants in the gospel parable, need to continue to go about our lives, living out our callings and our vocations, going to work, loving our neighbors, caring for creation, baking cookies, wrapping presents, but all the while being on the watch for how the presence of Christ is being revealed around us and where there are places where we can be a part of the unveiling. But this spiritual discipline, like any practice, requires just that. It requires practice. We have to do it over and over and over in order to become proficient. You might not think that noticing is something to take to practice at, but it is, I think. A few years ago, when our family first moved here, and Nathan began to commute to Little Rock, we needed to buy a more fuel-efficient car. So we bought a Kia Soul. Now, before we had bought this car, I just kind of had peripheral knowledge that they were out there, but as soon as we bought it, what happened? I started to notice it, right? Like everywhere I went, there were Kia Souls. Well, the boys and Nathan noticed this, too. And at the time, the boys were riding with Nathan back and forth and commuting to Little Rock, where they were still in school. And so they took this noticing of Kia Souls to a whole new level. They invented what is called the Soul Patrol game. This is how it works. If you see another Kia Soul on the road, you must be the first one to fist bump the roof of your car and proclaim, Soul Patrol! Now, you only get a point if another person in the car sees the same soul. So you have to be paying attention, right, to the whole thing. If you call a soul that someone else has already called because you weren't paying attention, you lose a point. And points only accumulate over a certain trip. So like if you go to the grocery store, the points will accumulate there and back but not if you come home, take a break, and then go to the movies. You have to start a new game. This prevents a lot of arguing about how many points you have and, you know, going on. This was developed over three years, you can see. Lots of trial and error. This practice, this plane of Soul Patrol, has upped our noticing skills of Kia Souls quite a bit. You might say that now Our family, we are champion Kia Soul Noticers. But it took a while, and it took a lot of intentionality, and it took deciding that this slightly odd skill was worth one working on. We had to decide to invest our efforts and our attention and our intentions to this practice. This level of noticing and this intentional commitment to the practice of noticing is what I am talking about when I say the spiritual discipline of noticing. This Advent, I believe we are being called to stay awake and keep alert and practice the spiritual discipline of noticing. How can we practice? Well, by looking for opportunities to reflect the light of Christ's countenance for others. Sharing the good news that we are all the beloved, pouring Christ's love into everyone we meet. We can start by practicing on the checkers at the grocery store and the IT person from a foreign land on the other end of the phone and the frustrated child in the classroom and the exhausted college student in tears and our cranky significant other. We can keep awake and practice the spiritual discipline of noticing by being on the lookout for Christ's presence in our daily lives, in the prayers that come as we struggle for words in the midst of our grief, in the source of forgiveness that we somehow find inside us for those who have hurt us, and in the inexplicable light that suddenly bursts through on our darkest night. These are things we can notice. We can practice keeping awake and alert by noticing the hope of Christ to come. Let us look for moments and opportunities when we, following Christ's example, can help usher in the kingdom of God here on earth as it is in heaven, fighting against injustices, advocating for those who have no voice, or becoming family for those who have been abandoned or ostracized. Buying canned goods and a lifetime supply of toilet paper is one way to prepare for an apocalypse. Hanging up garlands and decorating trees is another way to prepare for Christmas. But this practice of staying alert and paying attention, of noticing, this is how we prepare our hearts for the apocalypse of Christmas coming, for the unveiling of Emmanuel, God with us. This is how we are to carry on when we find ourselves in the middle of the journey, worn out and doubting if we will ever reach our destination. This is how we keep the faith and stay alert, so that when the day comes in which the Word becomes flesh and blood and moves into our neighborhoods, we will be able to recognize, because of all our practice, the coming glory with our own eyes. The one-of-a-kind glory like Father, like Son, generous inside and out, true from start to finish. So let us begin today. Let us make this our new faith year resolution. Let us begin Advent, noticing the presence of Christ among us and reflecting the light of his countenance for all to see. Amen.